Welcome to the Critical Mass Podcast, the podcast of the Sydney Atheist. To find out more about the Sydney Atheist or to get involved in any of our activities, check out sydneyatheist.org. On the show today, we have Anthony. Hey, guys. Ian. Hello. Dave. Hi. And I'm Alan. And we'll be explaining who the hell Sydney Atheists are, asking if the churches should keep out of our schools, and unravelling the controversy over Kevin Rudd's coming out. But first, some updates on the activities of the Sydney Atheists. Uh, over the last month, we've, we've been involved in a variety of different things. Okay, taking it through, we've got the blood drive was one of the first things. Yeah, they took everyone's blood but mine, but it was cool. And yeah. mine. And mine. <laughs> so I'm actually the only person in here that uh, actually gave blood. But there were a bunch of us and it was very, very cool. And I think we got around four and a half litres, which is absolutely terrific. Although three of those were Alan's. <laughs> I felt quite light afterwards. Also, we did a walk for diabetes where we raised, I think it was $816 for the Junior Diabetes Research Foundation. And who was there from us? Yeah, it was a bunch of us. It was um, us in the room. Dr. K was there. Rachel was there. Tom, Tynan. Nathan. And Zach. And Zach, big day out, big day out. We did some really good stuff. We got some good comments back on our Sydney Atheist T-shirts. Yeah, I, I wasn't there. Poor wasn't Dave. There. Oh, Poor Ian. But most of us were. It's quality, not quantity, yeah? Also, at our monthly meeting, we had Aya and Ansgar teaching about evolution. Yes, they went through natural selection with... They had black and white counters that we could go through generations to work out with a pepper moth when the black ones would get killed off by the birds because they could be seen against the white bark, or when the white ones could be seen against the black bark when the coal had darkened the trees. And Ansgar went through a much more complicated sort of algorithm of breeding between different generations until you could get to where you were trying to get to. And also, I participated in a debate against the uh, UTS Anglican chaplain, Mike Paget on the question of which makes more sense, atheism and Christianity. <laughs> Yeah, it was a tough call, that one, but I think we, I think we got there in the end. <laughs> it was a really riveting debate, and I believe the video's available online. Yes, the video's up on Google Video. If you Google Alan Conradi or uh, the question of the debate, which makes more sense, atheism or Christianity, you'll be able to find the video. And in fact, I think we can put it up on sydneyatheist.org. Yep, absolutely. So, Dave, I'm going to ask a question. What was it like? It's one of your earliest, you know, first debates. Um, you had a big crowd of people there. What was the vibe like? Tell us a bit more. Well, it was um, nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah. You know, being my first debate, I was uh, absolutely packing it beforehand, but I thought that I'd really gone through and uh, considered my points and was sort of looking at it from both why it is that atheism makes sense and why Christianity doesn't make sense, and I think that I made my case um, fairly well. <laughs> and, and Mr. Paget's reaction? He he didn't react so much on the night, but he has been um, trolling our blog. Uh, like, like, ah, we've like got no a rabid fan. Excellent. <laughs> when you say trolling the blog, what for those who haven't heard the term before, what exactly do you mean? Well, it means that basically Mike's been going through the comments on, on our various blog posts about the debate, and he's been uh, putting up hundreds and hundreds of comments, like an exaggeration. He's probably put up about 20-odd comments uh, and having these, these huge, long, drawn-out discussions um, through the, the, the comment section, which is completely fine. Like, it, it's which been a lot totally of fun. Which is totally cool, because we like, you know, good, critical discussion of these things. 
and and it's terrific. But the the problem has been that uh, he refuses to accept any definition but his own um, of 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 atheism. Of athe- atheism and what atheism he won't accept our definition of atheism. So before we can even start talking about his relationship with the creator of the universe, we've got to. <laughs> well, hold on. So. He doesn't accept our definition of atheism. Why should we accept his definition of Christianity? Well, this was the thing. When, when he um, started in the debate, he, he didn't actually define Christianity at all. I, I came up and I defined Christianity and you know, tried, to, tried to explain what the base tenets of Christianity were, which he accepted, and, and we sort of moved along. But when it came to defining atheism, I also tried to you know, really explicitly define atheism as simply a lack of belief in, in a god or gods. I was going to say, that's a pretty important thing to get on the record. What is our position on what atheism means? Well, could that perhaps lead into... Who the hell are Sydney atheists? Yeah, look, let's talk about that. It's our first podcast, and I guess for those of you listening, you probably want to have some kind of idea why the hell we're here. Pun not intended. Um, well, look, Sydney atheists, we're a, a group of atheists and atheist-friendly people um, who have a vision of a society that lives and grows through evidence-based reasoning and secular values. We've got a mission, and that's to be an active atheist resource for the people of Sydney and an opening and welcoming community for atheists and atheist-friendly people. Now, look, that all sounds very good, but you might actually like to know what it is that we do. Well, we're a bunch of people who work through education and secular charities and by representing the voice of reason in public debate. We also get together to celebrate life and have fun. We've got some core values. We have an open and inquiring attitude to things. We go with evidence-based reasoning, not faith-based stuff. Um, We're inclusive and diverse, and we value respect, compassion, and goodwill. They're our core values, and, and we're really keen to actually get out there and, and sell the message of, um, of both constructively negative atheism, which is, you know, having good open debates with people like Mike Padgett about why we think religion doesn't work, why there are, there's no evidence or reason for the existence of gods out there anywhere, um, but also positive atheism. We want to talk about the things that we feel good about that um, give us joy in life, uh, the values that we cherish, you know, things like community and diversity and respect and compassion and using evidence-based reasoning. All that stuff's really important. But I guess the, <laughs> the bottom line is there are some key beliefs that we have or, or key things that we consider based on the evidence, and maybe there are three really important ones. The first one is that we see no evidence for the existence of supernatural deities. The second position I guess we have is that I think we believe that religion does actually cause harm, that there's a, there's a better way of living. You know, we can live better, more fulfilling lives using both our reason and our compassion. And I guess we call that positive atheism. It's as good a label as any. Um, it's probably worth also pointing out, just picking up on what we were saying a moment ago, what atheism is and isn't, because it's really important to get that stuff clear. Atheism isn't a religion. It's not a belief in the supernatural. It's, it's a viewpoint that says that we don't believe in the supernatural. Now, sure, that's a belief, and we can have arguments back and forth about who's, uh, who's entitled to have a belief or how a negative belief stacks up. But the fact is, we ain't a religion because we don't believe in the supernatural. Nor are we dogmatic, which is often an accusation that's leveled against atheists and uh, often agnostics as well, funnily enough. We're always open to the evidence. If you can come up with some hard evidence about the existence of gods or other supernatural beings, then, man, we'll convert. We'll be there. We'll shake God's hand if he turns up in a puff of smoke. Now, I I think that it's also um, really important to point out that an atheist is not 
as it's often uh, believed, a person that says there is definitely no God. And I think that's probably one of the, the, the biggest misconceptions about atheists that is out there. Um, as, as, as you're saying, Anthony, the, um, the, the definition used by Sydney atheists is that we see no evidence to believe in God or gods. Um, so basically, we, we just have an absence of faith, absence of that's belief it. in a God. Um, well, this is the, the important thing is as well. Mike Paget accused atheism of being a belief system, just like Christianity isn't just a belief. It's not enough to believe in God to be a Christian. It's not enough to believe in a particular God. You've got to have a whole belief system because there's a very complex theology that, and cosmology that goes with it. Whereas as atheists, uh, some of us are naturalists who go through it and, and understand science, and some of us start from from nothing. But because Atheism is starting from nothing and then working your way up. Absolutely. That's right. And there's a lot of other um, different beliefs and, and theories of everything that, that are often ascribed to atheism, which is, you know, that, that atheism, the atheists all believe in evolution or that all atheists are, you know, naturalists, or secular humanists. Materialists, or- secular humanists. We, there's all these things that, that many atheists do believe, but that... that isn't entailed by atheism. No, that, that's absolutely right. But that being said, there is that other dimension to it, which is you know, that that's atheism per se. But that doesn't mean we we do, uh, we lack uh, a view on how to live a good and fulfilling life. I mean, there are often you know, a number of sort of core criticisms that are made against atheists, yeah, and we've all come up against these in our own lives. And there are probably three of them. Um, you know, first one is that atheists are amoral or immoral. You know, they have no ethos for living as a human being, no ethics. The second one is that atheism means that you don't have some kind of spiritual connection or you don't have a spiritual dimension to being alive. You know, Dave talks about the wonder and awe of existence, and I'm totally in his camp. That stuff's really important. We feel that too. And I guess the third objection that we often get thrown in our faces is, you know, there are key questions that atheism, and what they really mean by that is, you know, reason or science, can't answer. Well, let's just talk about them briefly. The fact is, atheists are ethical. Um, you know, we have an ethics that's based on the values of reason and compassion, respect and goodwill. There are many ways um, that many cultures have packaged those things up, either as part of religion or not. But what it really boils down to is, you know, loving and respecting yourself, others and the environment. That's the core of what we're all about. And I don't just mean atheists or agnostics. I mean, I mean all of us. We, um, you know, it's a common heritage shared by atheists and religious people alike. We just drop the supernatural stuff to be good without God. And I think that this is where the, the Sydney atheists sort of, um, there, there is that definition of atheist uh, or what an atheist is. And there's also a wider definition of what the Sydney atheists are because we, we take atheism and we, we, we also take it further. We, we have, uh, the, the good without God um, idea where you know we actually go out there and we do charity events and we, we do um, you know like to get involved in the community and show that you don't need to believe in a God to actually be a good person and to, to do some good out there in society yeah absolutely and it's you know that's one of the core things about not just this podcast but everything else we do is actually getting out there and showing that you can live and a fulfilling life within the community as part of the community without having to be religious. Now, there were those two other questions I should um, cover off as well. The, uh, you know, the allegation that atheists aren't spiritual. Well, you know, frankly, that's crap. We all feel and express the wonder and joy of life, you know. We all have those existential moments. We all feel connected to the world. 
Um, and we express that stuff freely and creatively. You know, we're not trapped in dogmatic rituals that have been set down for thousands of years. If there's an advantage of atheism compared with, you know, traditional religions, is that we get to invent our own celebrations and, and do it, you know, freely and colourfully and creatively in a, what I like to call a rationally irrational way. You know, we're not dogmatically rational. There's space for us to be creative as well. Like talk like a pirate day. Arr, absolutely, absolutely. Twas a night, to be sure. <laughs> um, and I guess the other thing to close off on is the bit about, um, you know, not every problem can be solved by reason. Well, that's not necessarily true. I think, I think our point of view would be that reason's the best tool we have to explain the evidence, and rather than, say, religious dogma, it's always searching openly and honestly for a better answer, you know, based on the evidence. And, and reason is also the best tool we have for solving the problems that we face together. You know, we don't get locked into dogmatic positions like, you know, uh, God said this is my land, not your land, or, you know, reading Leviticus out of the Bible that uh, homosexuality is evil. We're actually willing to sit down and have a conversation about it and, and show some compassion about those things. So, you know, while reason can't address maybe all the questions in the world, it's the best tool that we have. Actually, let me step back from that. I should be careful when I say that sort of shit. We think reason is the only way to get in there and start looking at these things. Reason with compassion together. Um, and the fact is, if, if science or reason can't solve all the problems that we face today, that just means that we'll be able to do it further down the track. We just, you know, it's, science isn't perfect. It, it takes two steps forward and one step back. We just want to take it step by step. So if we can't answer everything now, we'll be able to do it in the future. We don't need the supernatural to help us. And I think that it's, it's, it's great to show the, the positive side of, of the Sydney atheists. As you, know, most, as you were saying, most, most people seem to think that atheists are immoral people, uh, just these curmudgeonly old um, you know, ratbags or whatever. Uh, and you know, most of what the Sydney atheist is about is about uh, you know, creating this, this, this feeling of um, you know, respect out there in the community, doing good, um, you know, sharing knowledge and information and all that sort of thing. But we do also come back to this this sort of war against um, against the, the religious mindset and what they do that is blatantly wrong. And uh, one of the things that's been happening recently in Sydney has been that the uh, the, the especially the Hillsong Church and their affiliated programs have been uh, getting into the schools in ways that seem to be uh, disregarding. Uh, the the ability for okay, that's... so so the Hillsong Church have come in and um, they they evangelising um, in, in a way that is 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 sort of uh, it doesn't seem appropriate and two of the things that they've been doing is they've got um, these exo day programs where they. They come into to the school and, or you know, actually they they get the students to put on these uh, barbecues and they have a bit of a rock concert and they get the you know the the Christian rock band to come out and you know do a bit of a show and then give the kids a free barbecue and and it's not overtly evangelical, but it doesn't sound that far from it. But you're right. It's um, it, it's this 
uh, closet evangelism that the they're using. Door. Evangelism right. by stealth. So, you know, they get these kids interested. The music, it, it's upbeat. It's sort of, you know, it, it very much like your, your sort of your top 40s pop music, that sort of stuff. Gets the kids interested, makes them go, oh, you know, I had a really good day. I had an exo day. So, so <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to go and check out, you know, these guys on the weekend. I'm going to go and listen to the, some music, you know, get involved in the community. And then that's where they bring the religion into it. And it, it's sort of this, this bait and hook. Uh, Bait and switch. Yeah, the way of going about it, where you know they they get you in under this this these false pretenses, and then they start to work the evangelism on you. Um, the the other thing about that was the <clears throat> there was a, a, a one of the comments on our blog said, but this isn't compulsory. They don't have to go to this free barbecue and free rock concert. They can go to the library and read a book if they want. Yeah, which which, which shows you how how silly it is and. Um, I think that there's two different ways to look at it. You can look at it as far as, um, you know, what is legally wrong with what they're doing and what is morally wrong with what they're doing. And I think that, uh, that what they're doing doesn't step outside of the bounds of their legal rights. Um, I think that in the, in the, um, the state schools um, here in Sydney, you're allowed to have one hour per week of religious instruction being scripture class and that's uh, a voluntary thing that you can opt out of and you know all that sort of thing and the exo days is on top of that and while it's not overtly religious which is the loophole that they get through on the legal sense um, it is providing more religious um, content so in, into the school environment hang on hang on back up a sec let me understand so these exo days happen on regular school days is that how they work yeah, they they they're held at a lunchtime. So, okay. um, you know, during during the lunchtime, the the kids go and they say, oh, you know, I want to put my school up as an exo day school. So, you know, they get a band to come in, they put on a barbecue during lunch, and usually in the gym or something like that. They're just you know, drugging the kids with rock music. It's just <laughs> like my grandparents said. Except you can't actually go to the library to eat cause your lunch during your lunch hour because you're not allowed to eat in That's the library. Right. Absolutely, um, and. You know what they're what they're doing there isn't isn't actually breaking the rules. Yes, you can not attend. Uh, you know, you you can easily like like some of the comments on our blog said you can go and um, you know go and play basketball or you can go and kick a, a soccer ball around or whatever. But realistically, the kids are going to go to the free concert. And well, well I guess th- that raises a question for me, which is: are, are we against this per se, or is it? that there's a lack of a valid alternative. Is that, is that the issue? No, no. I think the issue is that they're not being honest about who they are and why they're coming to the school. Absolutely. But they're not coming to the school to play a concert because they're musicians who want people to know their music or because the school's paying them to entertain the children or because they want people to buy their CDs. They're specifically coming to the school to hunt the children, to hook them into coming to after-school events like a predator and then pouncing on them to invade their mind with their emotional addiction. And there, there's a, a difference in what they... Um, I think it's Youth Alive that are putting on this, these exo days. Now, the the information that you get when you just sort of do a, a, a surface search for exo days is that it's it's not evangelism. It's just, you know, giving the kids a good time and, you know, it's all above the board and all this sort of thing. But when you actually go a little bit deeper and you look into um, the recruitment pages and the how can I do an exo day kind of pages, uh, you find out that 
they use terminology like um, you know bringing Christ to the schools and things like that, and and it does expose their their true intent, which they're trying to hide. You know, if Christ actually turned up, that would be something interesting. Uh, that would be an exo day. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> legally, they should have a disclaimer. Would anybody yeah. recognise him? What do they What do they look like, Dave? Jesus is. Oh yeah, yeah, good. Jesus is. Would anybody recognise a Jesus these days? Well, he's got blonde hair and blue eyes and slightly Arabic look, but white. <laughs> but very actually, white. actually, no. The next time that we see Jesus, he's going to have feet of brass, uh, eyes of fire, hair white as snow, and Eye a giant and a leg of snail <laughs> and a giant sword coming out of his mouth. So we should be able to tell him apart from the, the regular <laughs> Sydney side. Yeah, that'd stand out. Except maybe in King's Cross after about eleven on a Saturday night. But you know, that's another story. Absolutely. And one of the other programs that the the Hillsong Church has um, surreptitiously so, so injected into our school system is the Shine Program. And what the Shine Program is, it was um, put up as an alternative to Scripture for the people that decided to opt out of the Scripture class. They said, well, you know, we've also got this personal development class for the young girls. And what it is, it um, you know, it teaches the girls how to how to be pretty. It, it's you know, stuff about shopping, about deportment you know, lessons, putting on makeup and dressing up nice for the boys, and you know how to present yourself uh, as a as a as a blossoming woman, as a sexually attractive woman, as taught by the church. And that's right. And <laughs> and and the problem with that is, like you know, I, I don't have a problem with a personal development class, you know, all about girly stuff. It, you know, it's like a a living. Uh, issue of Cosmo oh, Girlfriend magazine, right? On school time. Well, on school time, but it, it, it's a it's an alternative to the, to scripture or whatever. But the problem with it is when they started talking about um, people's um, coming to faith stories. You know, the um, what what it was. It's all of the the outcry against the Shine program wasn't about all of the personal development and stuff. It was the kids coming home and going, you know, I, I heard about about whoever it was, you know, Delta Goodrums finding the church and and all this sort of thing. And and I thought that was a really good idea. And these are children from families that have specifically said we don't want our child receiving religious instruction. Um, and and I think some of the the official statements that came out is that all of the all of the people that were running the Shine program were told not to evangelise during it, and and you know these people are going to be seen to and everything. But this is what happens when you have uh, people that are involved in the Hillsong Church coming into your school and speaking to kids. Well, I think I think you're right, and and there's there's two issues there. One is you know they're doing this by stealth. I mean, it's like you know dressing up creationism as intelligent design in a way to make it more palatable. It's that kind of thing. But the other issue um, is. There's no valid alternative that seems to be part of the public education system, you know. I'd like to think that, um, you know, if your kids weren't sent off by your parents to this one hour a week to do religious education or packed off at lunchtime by default, if you're one of those kids who's just sort of left to sit in the library for an hour because you're not particularly religious, that there'd be a valid alternative there, something that would, you know, teach you ethics and, and you know, critical thinking skills and, and how to grow up and live a fulfilling life. We don't, we don't see that, and I think there's a real need for that in the education system, well, both that and tapping this other stuff on the head. But surely, look, what is Scripture about, right? Scripture's about teaching religion, and religion's about magic. So it's really about teaching magic. So what they should be teaching the non-religious people in Scripture hour is magic. I, that would be ah. terrific if we if we could get a magic class in as an alternative to scripture. I think that that would that would 
you know, at the moment, and when I was when I was in primary school, I remember uh, you had the choice between scripture class or maths and crosswords and you know exercises like that, and everybody went to the scripture classes because nobody wants to be doing more work than required. Um, so you know, I, I quite happily sat there and coloured in pictures of sheep and fishes and bread and you know some guy in a dress, um, but. There wasn't that that alternative. So, um, like, did you guys have scripture? Did you go? Did you not? I mean, yeah, I'm one of those guys who grew up in a Catholic school, so you know that's that's not too cool. Um, yeah, we and I also grew up in the '70s, so it was all wild and hippie like then. You know, all the standards were lower, and it was all about love and freedom and stuff. But none of that made much sense to me. I was just looking for something that was you know sensible and taught us how to would teach us how to grow up properly, basically. I I was brainwashed. I, I was a Christian till I was 18, and. Uh, um, the parents. <laughs> what? Um, the parents could have um, could have signed us out of religious assemblies, which is different from religious studies class, which was secular and uh, yeah, like you know outside in kind of. Um, but the the religious assemblies, the parents could have uh, could have excused us, but very few parents did. And of course, it shouldn't be the parents' choice in the first place, you know. Um, you know, it should be the student's choice. As it happened, I was brainwashed at the time, and I wouldn't have chosen to give up Jesus for um, for for dossing around and throwing sandwiches at people. But, but what about some good magic tricks? Would that assuage you? Um, yeah, I was. I, I liked magic when I was a kid. Yeah, I think I think that good. with with having the magic in there as an as an alternative, you would actually get the kids that would otherwise be interested in the scripture going. Well, I get that on a Sunday. I, I let, let let's go and get some magic tricks. Let's learn some sleight of hand. Yeah, and you could teach the kids the reason that that magical stuff works is because of these actual tricks. You know, you're getting away from the supernatural, and you're actually getting into some thinking about stuff. You know, how the magic works, and some well, explanations, and some reasons, and like that's 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 a good entree, man. We, we all need to do some magic tricks. That's it. I mean, it teaches you that what you see is not always what you get, and you have to think about it. And that you can be fooled and that your brain works this way and there's a bit of psychology, a bit of philosophy and a bit of entertainment skills. And it's what magic is really about. Mm. And, of course, I went to a state school and I was sent to the library during scripture where, of course, I read about magic. <laughs> Full circle. I like it. So, so basically, to round all of this up, the question is, should the churches be allowed to come into the schools? I think that... Uh, in these cases, they've overstepped the mark, and there should be um, some sort of um, repayment for that. They, they shouldn't have to... Okay, repayment's probably the wrong what way. Were they? We're, we're going eye for an eye here, and that, that's <laughs> not what we're about. We're, I mean, we shall make them pay. <laughs> I, I guess what we're saying is we want them to be upfront about what it is they're trying to do and to make sure that they have a good conversation with not just the schools, but the parents and, and even the kids about what it is that they're they're there for. I mean... You know, you need to be upfront with this stuff. Otherwise, it's just deception. That's not cool. Yeah, and maybe repercussions was was the right word. Where the the the, the scripture classes that are there in these schools should um, you know take a blow because of of how the how the religions stepped out of its bounds. And the the the, the further question is what is an acceptable level of religious education in schools, and how do you teach? Um, comparative religion, which I, I think that we'd all um, all uh, realise that comparative religion is uh, you know a, a really good 
um, class. You know, it, it's a necessary class, and you know, it's got a lot to do with the culture and you know, learning diversity and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, history. But how do you teach comparative religion? in a secular way, without bringing the the teacher's personal feelings into it and muddying the waters. Because if you have um, a religious person teaching comparative religion, then there's, the slant's going to be towards their religion. If you have an atheist teaching comparative religion, then you're going to have a slant uh, towards atheism. And I think that that might even be just as bad. I think anthropologists have the right perspective. So you, if anthropologists... I suspect an anthropologist would take a similar position to an atheist, but basically an anthropologist looks at all these religions and societies and cultures without evaluating their objective truth. They assume that they've all got pretty much the same lack of objective truth. They'll look at Christianity, Judaism, they'll, they'll look at a tribal belief, and the, exactly there'd be equal value in anything anyone says about these things. And they'll just study what the people believe, what the history of it is, what they do, and not go, well, of course it doesn't work. You could take that on another tack. You could you could get sociologists involved, you know. It's like you're saying, it's a cultural thing. Religion's a cultural thing as much as anything else. You could even get psychologists in there and say, well, you know, what is it that people are looking for when they, when they um, embrace a particular religious faith? Are they looking for... A sense of community? Are they looking for a purpose in life? Are they looking for, you know, rules for dealing with other people, ethics? Well, this is, this is the problem. I think it's ridiculous that we have religion coming into schools and we have the religious coming to teach in schools, particularly state schools, and we don't have psychology or philosophy or logic taught. Yeah, and it comes down to resources, I guess. Um, you know, in, in the, the school structure, you're not going to be able to teach children about everything. You're going to be able to teach children about the things that you think are most important. And that's why we have you know, English, science, maths, history as standards in schools. Um, and then you know, it, it comes to you know, somebody injects in this religious education thing. Why not? teach uh, philosophy, psychology, even astronomy it has a lot more to, to tell you about the world than religion. There's a great guy up in or outfit up in Queensland called the 4R Association who teach reading, writing, um, arithmetic and reason. No, the 4th R is not religion, it's reason. And, you know, I think there's a lot of merit in uh, teaching critical thinking skills to kids in schools. And if, if we taught critical thinking to the kids, we might end up with a prime minister who is secular again. Ah, yes. But it's not the case. So we're going to go on and, and explain what everybody's been waiting for. What happened when the Prime Minister came out? Well, of course, it's been a while since Bob Hawke was our only atheist Prime Minister ever elected in a democracy that I'm aware of. But on Fairfax Radio in Queensland, Prime Minister Rudd was asked to give his single biggest argument in favour of the existence of God. Now, this was a trap... And he jumped right in. Was the answer that God votes Labour? Well, he sort of said, as you know, I'm a believer, and I've never pretended not to be, and I respect those who have no religious belief. It's a free country. But for me, it's ultimately the order of the cosmos, what I describe as the creation. Mm -hmm. You can't simply have, in my own judgment, creation simply being a random event because it's so inherently ordered. Oh, man, get this guy to read some Dawkins now. <laughs> and the fact that the natural environment is being ordered where it can properly coexist over time. If you were simply reducing that to mathematical probabilities, I've got to say it probably wouldn't have happened. 
So I think there's an intelligent mind at work. No. Oh, boy. No, no, no. Now, it doesn't bother me if if our Prime Minister, our Head of State, is a religious person. You know, religious people make up the majority of the Australian population. I think 18.5% are non-religious. Um, so, and getting stronger every year. And getting stronger. Well, 18.5% are Anglican. So, you know, we're, we're probably going to overtake them at the next census. But, you know, y- you have to accept that your country's leader is, is likely to have a religious stance. But for him to, to actually answer this question, I, I really think he's put his foot in the trap because it, it's playing to, you know, the, the, these people. And I don't know what the, um, the, the level of creationism or, you know, intelligent design um, kind of believers in Australia would be. But the, the argument that he seems to be making is the argument from design. And he's saying that there was an intelligent creator. Um, and that is becoming a, a smaller and smaller and smaller uh, demographic, I, th- I think, as, as we're having more influence from irrational, uh, rational media. I, I think that, that that is actually dwindling and that he's probably, uh, you know, cocked up there in what he said. Well, I think... The argument from design, it's been around for a long time now. And Alan, maybe you want to tap it on the head for us. Give us some of the, um, give us some of the straight out answers for knocking that one on the head. Okay. Well, basically, the, the argument from design says, look at the world. It's so beautiful. I don't know how it came about. Therefore, God done it. Notice the grammar. Uh, and, and basically, they, they use things like, you know, look, look at a dragonfly's wings. It's so beautiful. Look at the color. Look at a rainbow. A rainbow is... Look is, at all the trees. Yeah, look at the trees. Look at babies. Look at traffic yeah. lights. Yeah, yeah. I like traffic. <laughs> what I think you need to address here is the argument that Rudd himself used. Like, he, he didn't just go through the argument from design. He's gone through, one, the world is ordered, and two, that he thinks it would all fall apart if there wasn't constant intervention from a creator. And then he goes on to saying that it probably wouldn't have happened by chance if there were just random probabilities. So it's three things to address there that he hasn't gone into all those things you were saying. No, no, you're right. So I think we would say, look, when he's saying that... So order. Order. There's order in the world and it couldn't have happened by chance. Yeah, and and I think that this, this... couldn't happen by chance is one of the, the the erroneous arguments that's used time and time again, and and this is more of a uh, religion versus evolution uh, stance where uh, it, it's the, the the junkyard argument where you know I think Dawkins says um, the. The, the 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 probability of evolution seems like a wind blowing through a tornado tornado going through a junkyard and creating a uh, a Boeing is an erroneous it was, argument. It was Fred Hoyle, the astronomer. Yeah, and he was, he was a great astronomer, but um, he said the idea that that DNA could um, could could code a protein or something like that had um, would would uh, be like a, a whirlwind blowing through a junkyard and assembling a, a 747. And, and he's right. It's, it's improbable. It's, it's small pro- um, possibility. But that doesn't mean that it can't and hasn't, in fact, happened. Well, no, the, it's cumulative selection. That's you know? right. It's One, not a chance it, process. It's not, it's not kind of... It's not kind of uh, throwing the dice. Yeah. It's, mm. it's expecting it to come the, up in three it's steps. Not, it, it's not like throwing 13 dice and expecting them all to come up with a six. It's throwing 13 dice 13 times and keeping all the sixes. 
Yeah. You know, it, it's That's right. cumulative. Yeah. And it's over really, really, really long periods of time where you get to keep most of the things that work, check out the ones that don't, and even if it all gets washed away and you start again, it's over billions and billions of years. Yeah, and I think that people underestimate exactly how much has been chucked away. Uh, it, it's something like 99% of all species that have ever existed are extinct. Uh, that that doesn't show an intelligent design. That that shows unintelligent design, if anything. And you know, the the the, the whole point with this, um, you know, the, the 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 argument that we're talking about, it's really doesn't uh, do justice to the actual theory of evolution. But evolution isn't the way that they, they play it out to be. Can but I just point out to Mr. Yeah. Rudd as well, because I know he's listening to this, that um, <laughs> uh, this, this, this argument from order of the universe is at most, at most an argument for deism. Yeah. You know, there's a, you've still got all your work ahead of you if you want to make that leap from oh, saying there's no. order in the universe to, you know... Uh, but he makes, that leap right, he makes that leap right here. So what he's gone at, he's missed the creation versus evolution argument. I think that's not something that Rudd's addressing here at all because he uses the word cosmos. He's not talking uh. about life. He's not talking about the earth. He's talking about the cosmos. It's the realm of physics, which he knows... Well, which he obviously doesn't know very much about, and which most people don't know very much about. A lot of people these days get taught evolution in schools, and they're taught biology, so they know about evolution, but they're not often taught very much about cosmology and astronomy and physics. Uh, now, this is one of the big questions that religion says that um, atheism and reason can't answer. What, what's our perspective on that? Well, of course it can be answered by reason, and of course that's, this is the job of cosmology. It's a science. It's not just a good idea. It's something that people have been doing. If you look into the sky, you can look backwards in time and you can you can work out an awful lot of what's happened in the past, where we are and what the nature of the universe is. And one thing you can tell by looking at physics is that the world isn't constantly breaking down and needing some outside agency to come in and keep it going. That's mm. just simply not happening. There's no evidence of any outside agencies coming in ever. How did he make the leap to Jesus? Well, because he says that the natural environment would not exist over time without some sort of intervention. And so he's arguing for... Mind at work. Yeah, but that still doesn't mean that the, 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 this intervention was, was, was Jesus. Though his answer is only to what is the strongest argument, and I don't for think... God. Was, he's, he's answering the question he was asked. Let's, yeah. Hang on. Okay. Let's just back up a bit for our listeners. So what's the difference, Dave, between deism and theism? Oh, um, deism is the idea that the... the um, the universe was uh, somehow created by some external agency. Uh, somebody lit the fuse of the firework and, and off it went um, with no intervention after that. Um, theism is uh, the idea that this, that this is a person uh, that, that it's, uh, and, and that, that it, it still intervenes, that it's still got some uh, connection to our relevance in this universe. You know, and it's, it's, it's a person that you can talk to and that, that could talk back to you. Um, and it's nonsense. <laughs> so is this theism when he says there's an intelligent mind at work keeping intervening and keeping the universe going? I think that is. I think that's theism. Yeah, that, that's, made, that's made the jump from a prime mover, which is the, the deistic sort of idea, to an actual intelligent interventionalist uh, deity up there. Okay, so just to throw a tricky one in, we, we, we've got some counter-arguments for theism, but what do we say about deism? How do we show that there, there wasn't a deistic, you know, you know starter-offer of the universe? Well, uh, it's, it's pretty simple. One is that cosmology actually looks at whether or not the universe started, for example. And 
the question, you know, one of the problems of design philosophically is if you say that everything had to have a creation, then you have to explain where the creator came from, which was created by another creator, which was created by another creator, another creator, another creator. Uh, you've got theologists who try to get out of this by saying that their creator is in a special place and a special time and because he's outside of time, he doesn't have to be created. Is, is this like the Phantom Zone from Superman 2 or something? You know, some, some <laughs> extra dimension that we mere mortals can't access? It's pretty much equivalent to that. That's exactly what they're trying to say, that there's a special privileged position. But the problem they have is that design isn't enough, right? Design's just thinking about stuff, right? Design isn't actually making stuff. Now, if they've got an intelligent mind making things, we have a name for that. That name is technology. Mm -hmm. So if there's an intelligent mind using technology to make stuff, then either the technology is still around and we should look for the factories that the universe was made in, and that would be evidence of design, or it's technology that we ourselves can learn to make, and we can make universes too. But, of course, the other problem is that if this is an artificially made universe, if someone actually used technology to make it and maintain it, if it's fake, if it's not natural, and that's pretty much the argument then we're in the matrix. I think that, uh, to answer your question, really, uh, Anthony, to to prove that there isn't a deistic God is, uh, you know, it, it requires a, a huge amount of evidence, whereas uh, it, it all comes down to who has the burden of proof. You know, if they're going to posit the existence of a deistic God that, for all intensive purposes, you cannot... See, you you cannot show to exist. You cannot show their hand in nature. Um, then then what's what's the point of believing in it? If there is no evidence to prove the existence mm-hmm. of this God, then you know I'm I'm just going to retain my disbelief. Okay, so basically, if technology was required, if if an intelligent mind needed to make stuff, then it's technology and cosmological technology is basically what everyone else calls magic then maybe we should teach this in science classes and we'll have Harry Potter wizardry and sorcery classes. Again, we're back to magic in scripture classes. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it's going to be a recurring theme. So, so going from technology of, of creating universes to something a little bit more humble, there's been some atheist action on the buses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, this is really exciting stuff. This is um, stuff that's been happening in the last week. Way over in London, some sensible person asked a question on a blog post and said, hey, you know, we've been seeing some religious ads on the sides of buses lately. What about an atheist version? And someone from the press picked up on it, and they started a campaign. They were originally looking for about £5,500, I think, so that they could run a few atheist ads on a few London buses. But Richard Dawkins um, came in and backed, backed the campaign, and it's rather than having a target of five thousand five hundred pounds to meet, I checked on the website today. There are over a hundred thousand pounds of donations coming worldwide to actually get these atheist ads up on buses. Um, that's more than enough money for running the campaign they wanted. So they're looking at other campaigns, but um, it's probably worth pointing out what they're saying or what they want to say in the ads. And it, and the quote goes, "There's probably no God." Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. And I've got to say, I think that's absolutely bloody inspirational. I think it's one of the best things to ever happen. And we're going to have to find a way as a group here in Sydney to do something as good or even better ourselves. Yeah, it's right along the line with our Good Without God campaign. And I think that this is the way that, that 
the the modern uh, atheist sort of uh, societies are moving. It's getting away from this. There is no God, and I say so because I shake my fist. It's okay. Uh, well, there probably isn't a God. Let's get on with life. Uh, and it's absolutely terrific. And um, I think that this this bus campaign is is reminiscent of the the Freedom from Religion Foundation's billboard campaigns that they've been doing over in the states, where you know they they put up the uh, the Imagine No Religion billboard, which is the Richard Dawkins awesome. uses it, where you've got the twin towers with with the sunlight coming through, just so so it looks like a, a, a crucifix, um, and you know simply underneath Imagine No Religion, Freedom from Religion. Shades Foundation. of John Lennon there. Imagine Absolutely. there's no heaven. Just in See, case anybody out there didn't get the reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I I think it's high time for this kind of thing to come to Sydney. And we're going to do something about it because, as you said, you know, part of our part of our brief, part of our reason for um, um, for doing what we're doing is to get out there and show that you can have a positive, quality, fulfilling life without religion. And so we're going to be out on the streets doing this kind of stuff. Do we have an email address they can send suggestions to? Well, uh, people can send suggestions to criticalmass at live.com.au. Or they could send it to, at the moment, a temporary email address, sydneyatheists at gmail.com. And if you've got any um, any ideas about ways that we could, um, you know, get up some some uh, public advertising for atheists, or you know, how we can go about this, should we go for billboards? Should we go for t-shirts? Should we go for posters? Uh, and and what should it say? Should we use our "Good Without God" uh, slogan? Should we um, use the the "Imagine No Religion"? You know, should we get in contact with the Freedom from Religion there, Foundation? There are a stack of positive steps we can take, and um, you know. By the time we come around to the next podcast in four weeks' time, we'll have some real, we'll have some concrete ideas, and we'll be um, letting people know what it is we're planning and doing, and and how you guys can uh, out there in listener land can get involved. Okay, and and to round us off, we've got Dave the Happy Singer on the buses. The established church and religious schools Make atheists out to be fools Sometimes in England For millennia we've been writing books But atheists still get funny looks Sometimes in England But if you're preaching faith to kids we're gonna call the scientists Richard Dawkins off of Channel 4 Carl Sagan and a whole lot more There's probably no God, so stop worrying, enjoy your life There's probably no God, so stop worrying, enjoy your life There's probably no God, so stop worrying, enjoy your life there's probably no God, so stop worrying, enjoy your life. Some folk don't read, they watch TV. Songs of praise on the BBC. In England. Christian adverts everywhere. Threaten torment and despair. In England. But you don't need to fear hell We've got a non-magic spell We've all chipped in a bunch of us 
So get on board the free thought bus. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. Dogma can be dangerous. Take a trip on the free thought bus. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. That was Dave the Happy Singer on the buses, and you've been listening to the Critical Mass Podcast, podcast of the Sydney Atheists. To find out more about the Sydney Atheists, visit sydneyatheists.org. You can email us on sydneyatheists at gmail.com or criticalmass at live.com.au. We've got coming up the Newtown Festival in a couple of weeks on the 9th of November, so come along and ring the bell for the Sydney Atheists. See you next month.